Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray, and I am so happy to be here with Sarah Shear today, who is one of our amazing women who succeed and uh, oversees all of HR at the University of Utah Health Hospitals and Clinics. So, Sarah, first of all, thank you for being here, and I'm going to tell our group a little bit about you. And um, as we ask for every lady to provide their bio, um, I was struck how um, humble Sarah is because she has the most demanding job that I cannot even begin to imagine um, in this time of crisis with COVID, but in general, it would be a huge job. So it, she is the Chief Human Resources Officer, as I mentioned, at University of Utah Health, um, where she works with her human resources team to focus on people-first strategies, which is so true, as I have watched um, being on the University of Utah Hospital Board, how important it is that the staff and people are first. The HR division supports over 13,000 employees and works diligently to foster an environment of respect, inclusion, strategic collaboration, and innovation. She is passionate about building relationships that help move the mission of top quality care for patients forward while empowering others to be intentional and to create an environment for safety. She lives in Salt Lake City with her husband and her daughter and loves to travel be outside and enjoy the amazing Wasatch Mountains. And one of the things that I wanna start off with is that Sarah did not share, is I know that her leadership and her team were just recently recognized in Utah Business Magazine, and I'd love for you to share, first of all, a little bit about that recognition. Yeah, no, I mean, that was very humbling. And again, it's a team recognition. So so amazing that the team was able to pull together especially during this time of covid and it was the hr achievement award mm -hmm. and again it's it's never a single person and the team has just come to as you mentioned like the people first strategies how do we take care of our team and really just highlighting the great work and i think one of the best things is hr has really been at the table in many organizations especially this past year because people are what matters and mm -hmm. i think we're seeing that in our workforce and trending and not just in healthcare industry but in all industries and so uh, I was actually appointed to the role April of 2020. So right, you know, in a very boring time. And so just to have the team come together and just the accomplishments that they've done and what we've been able to create and innovate and then support has been tremendous. So that was a huge, um, just a win for the whole team. Well, congratulations. Thanks. So well-deserved. I mean, I can't wait to dive into this interview and learn more from you about your leadership strategies and how you approach it. You have such an enormous role, um, just the magnitude of people and the tremendous pressures that I don't think any of us that are outside of healthcare can remotely imagine. And you kept speaking humbly of putting people first. How do you put yourself first? That's a really good question, Erin, and I think a lot of us um, especially as we're you know, achieving and we wanna take care of others is I think we do neglect ourselves and I'm trying to do better. So when you say I put myself first, it's, it's important I think as we're seeing, especially with mental health and what we've gone through this past 20 months is we have to do self care. Like we have to be able to carve out time and we have so many roles and I think you know, especially as women is I'm a mom, I'm a wife, 
Um, I'm a leader. I'm a colleague. But I've noticed, and, and you know, a really good lesson I think in life is if you're not taking care of yourself, you really can't take care of others. Mm -hmm. And so it's baby steps. So how I take care of myself is I have really been working hard on at least setting aside an hour in the week because there's that guilt and not allowing the guilt to seep in because mm -hmm. it's like, well, if I'm spending an hour for myself, I'm not with my daughter and I don't get to see her yeah. all the time. And, but then I realize if I'm burned out or if I don't have that rest, I'm no good to her, I'm no right. good to my husband, I'm no good to those that I wanna serve in our, in our organization. And so it's little things, it's, it's taking a walk, it's listening to a podcast, it's getting a massage. It's, so yeah, so those are things that I'm trying to do better because I think if you talk about it but you don't model it, it's mm -hmm. really hard for other people to kind of join in on that, so. Sure, just like the, the leader who tells people, I don't want you to work weekends or nights or this, and then, but you're role modeling and that you're there till 10 o'clock at night or you're shooting off emails at two in the morning. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you actually brought that up. I'm, I will say that's my ownership too. I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of work-life balance and, I, and also I think it's uh, flexibility and adaptability and I think where we've seen the world and where we're going, I'm so excited. But everything you said is true. Like, mm -hmm. as leaders, you can be a huge proponent of that, but if you are sending late night emails, it does not help your team because the, the words aren't matching your actions and that's super detrimental to a team and culture. Mm -hmm. And then I tell people, you know, there's all these really great tricks. You can uh, do yep. delay send on Outlook because sometimes you need to do it. Like as you mentioned, like self-care, if you need to do that for your own mental health, but don't burden others with your quick moment. Yes. And so, yes. Uh, so yeah, so thank you for bringing that up because that's another one I'm, this might be the, the journey of Sarah in this interview. Like what is Sarah working on? What is so this? Working? <laughs> well, okay, so I've learned one little trick from that is that I have to also stagger it because if I do happen to be working on the weekend, I kept setting them for 7 a.m. Monday morning and then everybody's inboxes got slammed at exactly 7 a.m. and then it still sent the message, oh, she's working all weekend. So I'm like, okay, I gotta do 7, 7.30, 7.45, 8, 8.50. Or they're talking and they're like, wow, how did she send all these at the how exact same time? <laughs> yeah, so we do. It is, I mean, at times leadership does require it, it is it is extra and there's ebbs and flows right then you also have some flexibility to be like I need to go on a walk this morning and I'm not heading into the office for a bit because I've got to clear my head and I yeah. I love that piece of grabbing whatever you can for self-care how, how old's your daughter she's eight. Oh, so what a fun age yeah super fun she's she's quick and so it's been keeping my toes I just learned today that the 90s is the oldie days so because I asked about these Doc Martens and she said that's oldie time and I'm like what oldie time so the 90s now for everybody is uh, oldie time well, so that's so funny because my sons are 18 and 22 and they are so jealous that I grew up in the 80s that my high school years were in the late 80s and they're like was it really like Ferris Bueller and I'm like Kind of, yeah, yep, actually a little bit. Everything was a John Hughes film, it's they, great. They were like, we love it. We wish we lived in the 80s. So, well, tell me a little bit about, um, as your daughter, she's eight and, and gonna be moving into pre-adolescence and adolescence, like what kinds of things are you hoping that you're able to convey to her about growing into a young woman and into a woman? What are some top big nuggets that yeah. you're hoping you're passing on. Well, and it's so interesting too, right? Because I think there's so much difference in technology than when I was younger. Yeah. And I think for her, um, there's a lot of pressures that I think um, young women will face, you know, because we just have a lot more at us. So social media is different. I mean, I didn't even have a cell phone until I was in college. 
and now I've got an eight-year-old who's asking me when does she get hers yeah. and I'm like not for a long time and so um, but I think for her it's you know having your confidence and knowing who you are because I think we all face that it doesn't matter what generation we've grown up in is that confidence of who we are and knowing you know it's okay like you're not gonna make everybody happy but you need to be true to yourself and you're gonna make mistakes and it's how you deal with those mistakes mm -hmm. and um, you know and, and I've got your back and it might seem that way and I think as parents we always want to fix things but I think anymore mm -hmm. as I'm on this journey it's, it's just being there and allowing a safe space so I'm hoping it'll be a long journey but it's you know that she can come to us and it's better to talk with us because we're there to really support her through it and I think there's a lot of fear and disappointment and it's like no like you do your best and that's all I expect and you know be kind to others and how you treat because mm -hmm. your integrity is what's mm -hmm. most important and please don't overshare because once you throw something on the internet, it is always there forever. It's there. It is there. <laughs> and yes. we all don't care about what <laughs> makeup you're choosing today. So. Right, right. Well, tell me some more about um, your current role and what, yeah. what you love in in your role and what has been, I mean, it's kind of cliche for me to ask, like, what's the biggest challenge of the HR director of a healcare system <laughs> in the year 2021? Um, but I'd love to, to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I think when people ask me like, what's a typical day like? And I'm mm. like, actually a typical day is I have no idea what the day is gonna look like. Um, that is the one thing I know is steadfast. And, you know, I think there's that support. So I think, you know, people a lot of times think of, you know, employment or if you're going through employee relations. So if there's ever like corrective action and those are the foundation pieces. But I think what people, maybe um, are unaware of what HR does is there's a lot of recommendation and counseling. There's that guidance. There's the strategic forethought of how do we anticipate the needs of our staff? How do we um, basically provide resources for people to grow? So not just at leadership level, but how do we move our teams into opportunities? And I think sometimes we kind of think of just a linear path upwards, but that's not always the case. So it's like, how do we get creative? Mm. How do we reduce barriers to entry? I think that's been the best thing that I've loved. Um, especially recently is we don't have to always do the way things have always been and whether that's remote work I think I've always been like so excited I was like don't waste a pandemic because you know, <laughs> I think people were so hesitant and the, one of the greatest things I've seen is you can't you know require working from home and now make it a privilege like we were able to demonstrate that there's a lot of success yeah. and so how do you leverage that and especially like in a clinical model is it's a balance so we have our non-clinical support yeah. that can do that but then how does that foster and support our clinical partners um, and you know there's a lot of great things that come out of those things so I think in HR and how what gets me excited is the constant innovation thinking mm -hmm. outside the box and making our lives better for our team so that they can focus on what they do well mm -hmm. and you know and, and bringing back that balanced approach um, to work and life and how we how we do it so what do you think tell me a little bit about your experiences or your life lessons as a leader yeah so um, you know, I think there's, we get so many and I, and I've really loved, and people who know me, I love humor. And if you can't laugh at yourself, like life is going to be really long and really, really hard, long, <laughs> really long and really hard. And so, um, when I was in college, I actually volunteered. I was kind of like a camp counselor. It was a week camp and it was to support, um, people who had different levels of blindness. So mm. completely blind or just partially and all ages. So it was like, I think it was like six to 82. Wow. And it was a fun camp because what we got to do is we did like roller skating and swimming and bicycling and rock climbing. And so you were basically paired up with someone so that you could assist and they could do these really great events and fun things. 
And so I'll never forget, we were, um, we were at the swimming pool. And so we were helping everybody get changed and ready to go. And the light went out. And so, and I'm kind of a take charge and I want people to be safe. And so I was like, nobody panic, <coughs> follow the sound of my voice. And I have a great friend and she like leans over and she's like, so Sarah, this is how it normally is for everybody. <laughs> and that stuck with me because I was like, yeah, true. Yeah. But I think the lesson I really took away from that is in leadership, you know, we can <laughs> think that we're doing the right things and we've got everyone's greatest intention. But if we don't connect with what's really going on, we're in the dark. Like, so I thought I was doing this great thing and helping people. I probably caused more panic because they didn't know that there was something actually going on. Um, and so as a leader, I think that's what I've learned is, you know, really listening and connecting and understanding where people are at because everybody's at different levels, right? So some people, um, you know, are newer in their careers and need a little more guidance or mm -hmm. mentorship and some have been great and seasoned, but so it's like, how do you challenge and how do you give purpose in doing that component? And so that always stuck with me is like pausing and actually understanding my surroundings before I just go and take charge. I love that. <laughs> but you are a take charge kind of lady. So it's, Sometimes. you gotta just, yeah. And, gotta. Then, and then I get these great stories and be like, <laughs> let me tell you about when I have this opportunity to learn, so. Well, tell me, so from a personal perspective, like as I think of my years in leadership, um, I get sometimes so tunnel vision about either the what needs to be accomplished, the metrics that needs to get met, the goal at hand, and um, I can get swept away in that that element and forget about the human element and the person that is helping to carry out the work or that is part of the team. Um, and I know a lot of women in our group um, Obviously, the purpose is to have, grow confidence and leadership in girls and young women. So the women in our group, whether they're a CEO, an executive, a leader in their community, in their church, in their school, whatever, that we're all taking some type of leadership roles. What advice would you give of how you keep the human element present, that you, you stay empathetic, that you're aware of what's going on while you're still accomplishing the tasks that need to get done. Yeah, because it's important. I mean, uh, I think people who really know me, I'm also very data-driven. And I mm -hmm. think the reason why you need both sides is because everything you mentioned, if you're running a business or if you have to have um, outcomes you need to report on, you've got to have substantial evidence. So it's that quantitative and qualitative. But, you know, at the end of the day, though, is people are humans and they're everybody's different. And so you have to be able to connect and let them understand their individual contribution. Let those people that are working on it understand the outcomes and the why. Mm -hmm. the and, why. and the why is a yeah. hard thing. And, I, and I've talked about this for many years with leaders is, you know, sometimes, and I get it, we're all there. It's like, ugh, it just takes time. It takes time to have to discuss the why and explain mm. it. But the issue is, and I always kind of say, is people really aren't asking why to be defiant or to challenge you as a leader. A lot of times it's just so that they can understand how they can contribute and what they're doing is actually adding value. And so when you kind of have that side of the human side of like, you know, people, I think for the most part, want to be successful and want to help whatever work they're doing help the greater good. I think I, that's a kind of a core. Mm. Not everybody, but for the most part, right? And so when we have that ability to be able to show like, here's the metrics and how we're going. And if we, you know, if, if they're not going the direction we want, explaining like, how do we get there? And what are some opportunities? I think you find a lot more value added into people that want to be part of that. And so I think with, um, you know, and it, it has been hard. I think even through this pandemic, you know, we look at data a lot 
and it's been very unpredictable and you do mm -hmm. have to keep that human first because people are tired people are burned out what i've loved the most during this time is you know i'm always trying to find joy is that we've really put a highlight on mental health yeah. and we talk about it and we've, we're normalizing it and yes. it's okay i mean i tell people all the time like you can be upset you can be mad angry like i'm exhausted we're all exhausted but if we don't talk about it if we don't recognize it how are we ever going to get through this together and so I think that's part of um, what I have seen change in leadership and hopefully in organizations is now the human side is becoming a lot more apparent and we have to focus on it. Yes, yes. I was just thinking when you said that something funny, I watched The Voice last night, one of my favorites, and Ariana Grande was trying to decide between two singers. And she just naturally came right out and said, you know, I talked to my therapist about this because this has really been weighing on me. And it was just so matter of fact yeah, she Ariana Grande is talking to a therapist as everyone else is, and yeah. you know, keeping that that mental health as part of um, the normalcy that that you spoke of. That this has been an incredibly um, incredibly difficult time for many people. I have found a lot of joy with my reconnecting with nature and with my family, um, but the the pressures. I'm wondering, do you feel, and your daughter being eight, um, was she, she was home for most of it? She was, and mm -hmm. um, you know, and then you kind of get through like where families had to make really hard decisions, and yeah. so she was home, and she's an only child, mm -hmm. and my husband is a clinical nurse, and really, you know, we had to make the decision, so he actually had to reduce his hours, so that was a super hard choice where it's right. being able to support the community and provide that skill set, but also with my job and, and, you know, and having that, that piece, but yeah, so she did, um, she, she's in public school, and so she was definitely home for that year, and, and it was hard. It was very lonely. Um, you know, I think she also thought she was an equal share member in the family because she wanted to vote. Um, there's three of us. Yeah, she's like, where's my third? And right. so, uh, so I think there's that. And I, I'll never forget, it was in February, she looked at me and my husband and she was like, I am so sick of you two. <laughs> I was like, but I think it was important because, you know, there was that piece where, and we, we were lucky enough to find kind of a, a group of other parents who had only children where we could go outside like in January, February, and the kids could play and they would mm -hmm. wear their masks, but they were outside because it was lonely. Yeah. And so I think, um, and then my husband, I mean, that was a huge, you know, he, he wasn't a teacher. So, I mean, having to try to do online school right. and, and the kids too, I think what we forgot about is when March hit, those kids didn't get to say goodbye to their friends. It was very much right. bye. It was like a week, we're going to be yeah. cl closing down for a week or so. And then I remember someone, a neighbor telling me, oh, they'll just be off for a week. And I looked, I, no. at the, I was at the Red Cross at that time and we were watching as the health side of it. And I was yeah. like, oh no, we are going <laughs> to, this is going to be a big thing. But I think, uh, but like, as you meant, but like we were talking about though, is what we made sure during that time is we really did talk about our feelings a lot and we yeah. wanted to express it because, and hopefully those lessons she can carry with her. Um, you know, oh yeah, that year I spent with dad. Yeah, at home. And, yeah, and, yeah, and my husband was like, he's like, that was actually, you know, kind of a great time because you don't always get that. But I know so many other families that it was very detrimental right. and and hard because right they they couldn't go to work and so mm -hmm. it was trying to balance. So as as an employer and a leader, it was like, how do we how do we help our teams? How do we get through this and help our clinical providers and and care for that? So I don't know. It was a wild. I don't know. I think we're going to look back on this and there's a lot of lessons we've oh, been able to glean and we'll continue to. Um, but yeah. All those families of the employees, you know, and and the circumstances where people would come to you 
Can you think of a of an example? When has been, when has there been a difficult um, situation that you've had to rise above as a leader? How did you how did you manage that that specific challenge? Yeah, I think um, I think the workforce challenge we're in currently is is one that it's a it's a constant yeah. daily because our clinical caregivers are very um, very tired, rightly so. Yeah. Yeah. And there's um, just the labor movement across the country, and you've got travelers, and so people are making lucrative amounts of money, and so it's mm -hmm. balancing this. But also, I mean, we've got team members that are just, they're just tired of doing the clinical care. So what do you do to, to yeah, lift I mean, them? So I think a lot of it is, I, I do focus a lot on culture. And yeah. I mean, in compensation, so we have compensation plans, and we work very hard as a leadership team, like how do we remedy that? But that's one, that's just one component. And so it, for me is, you know, people stay in their positions as well as when you have a really great boss and a leader. And we actually had a good example of that. Someone said, hey, you know, I was offered more to go somewhere else, but I really love my boss. And so and I, I, I tell people, don't underestimate the right. engagement factor you have with your team um, because when you support them, that stays. So culture actually has been kind of where we've kind of had to look at and and, and back to that people first is dedication to the workforce. That's been our number one mantra the entire time. Um, and I think that does pay off in a sense. Now, not everybody, because I mean, there's people have to make choices and it's super hard and it, it crushes me. I think when people, I, you know, you get the feedback and it's like, the leaders don't care. And I've had to be like, you can't take that personally, but I kind of do, that's just my style. And, you know, it's like, I wish I could tell people, you know, I do stay up and I haven't slept in months and months because I do feel bad. Like I want employees to know their value. And if they're feeling that way, it, it does hurt. And the team does come together and we talk about this on the daily. But I think it's, again, it's you just have to keep steadfast focus and try to support people where you can. And you can't make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you can't try to keep where you need to be and keep your culture alive. What a great role model you are for your daughter. We'll hope. She probably would disagree with you. But. Oh, she won't. <laughs> when she gets older and, you know, and other other not the entire certainly the entire population but for especially i bet for the women that get to work around you and watch just listening to you talk what i really enjoyed listening to is there's this hard business mind that's analytical and the non-negotiables that i hear coming through and then i hear this incredible empathy and reality check of these human beings who are doing the best they can and you want to support them no matter what and you will give all that you can to make them successful. I just love it. I really, Thank I you just, for your kind words. <laughs> so neat, so neat. If you could give some, some, the, the girls and young women of our group as well as the women yeah. in our group, this, this will go out. I, how can you share with them like some advice or guidance? Um, as they're moving in from being a young woman into um, women that will be leaders. Yeah. What kind of a guidance or advice could you give them? You know, I would say to really look in, and your integrity mm -hmm. is super important, and don't let anyone ever challenge that. So, I mean, in my career, I think about things where people kind of say, well, can't you just do this? Mm -hmm. and, and I've always said, my integrity is the most important thing, and I can leave because, for me, that's what's important because it's figuring out what's that core center that drives you. Um, you know, I think too, it's, there's, you're going to face challenges where you may feel minimized. Um, but when you know who you are, find a good circle of mm -hmm. mentors, mm -hmm. um, of backgrounds different from your own. I think that's mm -hmm. their thing. And if you can also find a really good counterpart that is not like you, that will actually help you grow even more. 
because it'll give you a different vantage point when you have a lot of people that are very similar-minded. Um, I think that's why we strive for diversity, right? That's why right. we want different viewpoints, different lived experiences, because you want to be challenged and to not get discouraged, because you are. You will be challenged. Um, you're not always going to succeed, but just keep going. And then at the end of the day, um, one of um, my mentors, uh, sorry, Mike, she just said be kind. Um, this is her fifth anniversary of passing. And so, yeah, so she just was awesome. And she said be kind. And uh, that's really important. I love that you're carrying her spirit yeah. with you. And I think a few minutes ago when we were talking, one of the words that kept resonating in my mind was be kind that you're messaging at the very beginning of this interview. Out of everything you've said, you said be kind at the very beginning and that just kept coming back to me. And then to hear you say that right now, yeah. just makes me, my heart filled with joy that you're getting positive vibes and that able to share something that you learned from someone you loved and a mentor with so many other young women. Yeah. Be kind to each other, right? I think women, mm -hmm. we, we compete mm -hmm. a lot. So we're all on the same team. We're just a little kinder with each other. If we, we could do amazing things, we actually. could run this world <laughs> if we could just do that together. <laughs> oh well, Sarah, it was such a pleasure. You're making me tear up. I know. I, sorry. It's okay. It's been such a pleasure to get to talk with you today and hear some insights. I could sit all day with you, and I actually would love to go to lunch with you again, and or go to lunch and get going, go through this conversation again. Um, because I really think you're just such a, a stellar, amazing example to the women in Utah. And I'm so pleased that you would give us some time this morning. No, I love it. And again, I, I'm amazed. You, I mean, we have so much potential in this state. We are going to do great things. We're going to do great <laughs> things. So thank you again. And um, we look forward to our next podcast. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.